Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up. And with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. Welcome to the Ringers Philly special. The Eagles continue to just come out and freaking absolutely just kill teams. 48-22, the final against the New York Giants. Another Gardner Minshew game. I don't know how many Gardner Minshew games we've gotten this year. Another game that feels over at halftime as they go up 24-7. Another great Jalen Hurts performance. Another great coaching job. Another game where the defense dominates an inferior opponent. This team is 12-1. and The gap appears to be wide. Widening, Shiel Kapadia here with Benjamin Solak, Benny Souls. I mean, it feels like it's Groundhog's Day. We're just doing the same podcast week after week here. The the blocked punt fumble into touchdown drive for the Giants, man. 21 to 7. Really starting to get a little sweaty there. A little hot in the con. Oh, worried. Here we go. Man, what a consummate win. Holy smokes. Like, I knew the Giants weren't as good as the record said. Thought they were a little bit better than people were making them out to be. Thought that they matched up well. Eagles just uh, could not be stopped in any facet of the game, on any down, running the football, throwing the football, throwing the football to tight ends, to wide receivers, down the field, underneath, defensively, pass rush, five down fronts, defending the run, playing man coverage, playing zone coverage, and nobody. Like, it's, there, isn't, there isn't a play to pick on, right? Oh, Jalen Hurts took some third down sacks up by 24 yeah. points. Go to bed. I mean, for for the Eagles to handle business this well, like, all right, win, win and you're in the playoffs. Yeah, but like, you know, you're going to be in the playoffs no matter what. So it doesn't really matter. No, to handle business this well, to secure uh, a playoff berth, to secure a three, to f- three out of four game run in the final four games means an NFC championship no matter to whom they lose. They're neutralizing the Cowboys game. This is is an extremely impressive, a grown up, mature win. Like the 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 Chiefs on the other side of the ball. Like the Chiefs play at four o'clock. Divisional rival Broncos, a team that's totally reeling. If they just not if they beat the Broncos, they knock the Broncos out of the playoffs. Mahomes threw three picks. You know, like, like they, when you go up against desperate teams, when you're when you're the team that that everybody wants to be, it doesn't look like this, man. Just such a professional, dominant, top by top button buttoned, we're better than you win. 
Holy smokes, man. Yeah, I had the same thought watching the other games today. You know, the Bills take care of business against the Jets, but have to sweat it out a little bit. The Chiefs, Mahomes throws three interceptions. They blow a a huge lead early, and it ends up being a six-point lead late. Everyone in Philadelphia was watching the end of that Cowboys game against the Texans, where they need a miracle as 17.5-point favorites to beat the Houston Texans. And what does your team do? Your team just comes out uh, led by the the most business-like quarterback in the NFL, dare I say. I mean, all, all the talk you hear from quarter uh you know it's a you know it's a one week season and we got to go one and oh this week and you got to stay even keel hundreds of people i've heard in my career say that i don't know that i've ever seen anyone actually epitomize that and live that through as much as jalen hurts i mean the same guy week after week after week i think that sets the tone they come out and they just stomp the giants i mean this giants team has not been easy to play for a lot of teams in the nfl they're not a great team but they've certainly been a frisky team they've won some games they shouldn't have won they've stayed in games they shouldn't have stayed in not the case today start to finish First drive by the you know first drive by the defense two sacks first drive by the offense you take eight minutes off the clock go the length of the field and score a touchdown and so uh, just couldn't be any more impressed with this team honestly I mean you know we joked about it last week hey don't make those Arizona reservations I mean listen you might have to cancel them anything can happen in a, uh, in, a in the NFL playoffs but it couldn't be setting up any better just keep those fingers crossed for good health but in terms of how they stack up with these other teams in terms of their strengths their weaknesses the ability to win in different ways the quarterback the coaching staff it's all there it's all there for a super bowl uh super bowl run in the next what two months what's today's date december something yeah next two months is is the super Bowl. yeah today was the first day where i thought to myself like oh they're gonna win it they're gonna win it me too i'll be honest me too they they, i i didn't even i don't know if i said win it but i'm like i wrote this down i I will just get into it our opening thoughts and then we'll talk about the game but uh, i wrote anything short of like being in the super bowl is a disappointment now i mean i know that's weird to say because anything can happen but that's how it feels at this point in time like they should be there they're 12 and 1 they've got the best point differential in the nfl they've got Four very winnable games where they're going to be at least a touchdown favorite in three of those final four games. They can lose the Cowboys game if they want to on Christmas Eve and win the other three, and they're still going to be the number one seed if they win their next two. As uh, listener Danis pointed out, if they win their next two, they have the top seed locked up going into week 17. Their final two games, they could not show up, and they I have want the, the it buy so badly. I want to see what they do in the Saints game. I just want to see. I want to. It's the most interesting position like a team's ever been in. Laid. Oh, we've just locked yeah. up the number one seed. But how good of a pick can we get if we beat you? It's gonna be. They're gonna like start with Minshew and then put Hurts in in like the third quarter and then take him back out in the fourth quarter. Just try to win it by three. Just try to, with as little Hurts playing time as possible. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, we've thought that for a long time that yeah, they could get to the Super Bowl even in the the, the preseason. Some of those conversations, but throughout the season. But I, I agree with this. Something clicked in my head today watching that game, coming off the heels of last week's game, where it's almost now like the expectation. Like I expect them to be playing in Arizona, representing the NFC in the Super Bowl. So that that was just uh, one of my. Big, big takeaways from this game. Did you have a, what, what did you have? I mean, we talked about before we came on, like there's just not a, like a ton of X's and O's or stuff to break down from this game. They came up, came out and whooped them. But what, what was sort of on your list to get to from this? So game? first things first, or big, picture. I think, I think it's fun to be like, this doesn't happen. 
but then it's really important to contextualize how crazy this is. Because, like, the Eagles scored 48 points, uproarious win, you know, huge touchdown passes, generating turnovers, late Boston Scott touchdown, because Boston Scott always scores against the Giants, whatever. It's, like, fun. It's a party. The Eagles' first two drives, like, I forgot this until I went back to watch. 14 plays, 84 yards in eight minutes, touchdown. Second drive, 12 plays, 91 yards in five minutes. They started the game with back-to-back scoring drives, touchdown drives, from behind their own 20-yard line. Yeah. Beg pardon? You take it for granted. That, that yeah. like, that's where, like, they started drives at the 16 and at the 9. Held the ball for 13 minutes, 26 plays, touchdowns. They, they, so what does that speak to? Number one, they're really good on early downs. Uh, uh, your old colleague, our dear friend, Bo Wolf, pointed out that on that first drive, not just the Eagles had seven completions of seven different receivers, right? Here's A.J. Brown, here's Grant Calcaterra, here's Kenny Gainwell spreading the ball around. They changed personnel a ton. They were in, I think he had nine different personnel groupings on the first drive. All season long, we've been telling you they don't do this. All season long, like, yeah, they have the same three receivers they put out there, and sometimes it's Zach Paschal. They have 11 personnel. Oh, now it's going to be Jackson Wolf and Dallas Goddard. They got like two running back sets in empty they're motioning guys across. They got Calcaterra and Stoll yeah. out there with Pascal and then with Quez and then with Devontae. There's, they never, never showed this. And then they walk out in the first drive against the Giants. They're just like, here's so much more than you've ever had to deal with, than you thought you were going to have to deal with in this game. And and in, and then they, the way they ran the football on, that, on those early drives, gap power, pulling multiple guys. They're running like counter football. This is, all right, we're, we're, we were a zone running team for the last few weeks, but we don't want to be a zone running team against Dexter Lawrence. So we're just going to choose not to. So they're extremely good on early downs because they're so versatile. You don't know what's coming at you. So that's number one. Number two is they're unbelievable in short yardage. Gosh, they're just so good. They're just so good. They they call the stuff that works, and then they call the change-ups to the stuff that works without doing anything really freaking stupid in the middle. Because a lot of coaches can do number yeah. one. We call the stuff that works. Very few coaching staffs can get to number two, and now we call the counters. And now we call the, the fourth and one play action boot. And now we call the fourth and one fake quarterback sneak toss to Miles Sanders. Like a lot of coaches on, on the bridge from point A, we know that QB sneaks are effective, to point B, we want to call some counters to get some explosive plays and also make sure you can't read us. You don't always know what's coming. A lot of coaches get lost somewhere. They fall off that bridge and they start doing some wild, dumb nonsense. And like, you know, if this weren't working, we'd all be like, why are they pitching it on fourth and one? Just QB sneak it. But they they execute so well. Like talk about being well coached. They do not walk out in these fourth and one, these third and one, these these third and six runs into fourth and two attempts. They don't walk out into any of these and not know what the business is. They know exactly what they're supposed to do and they always execute. Yeah. There's no missed handoffs, no pitch problems, nothing like that. They've had like one or two like, you know, calls that didn't work. That'll happen. NFL gets you. Other defenses are good. It's like all yeah. season. So yeah. they're great on early downs. They stay ahead of the sticks. And then they're tremendous on, on late downs, play calling wise. The final thing that needs to be said for 14 play drives, 12 play drive is your, your quarterback can't put you in bad spots. You can't get sacks. You can't get behind the sticks. You certainly can't get turnovers. And also scrambling quarterback, you can't suffer offensive holding penalties. I realized today, like the Eagles should have so many more offensive holding penalties than they do. They're a spread team. So they're not having tight ends help and pass protection that much. And I'm running backs help all the chip protection. So they're leaving their offensive tackles on an island. And then the quarterback runs around. That's like, it's a perfect formula for a ton of offensive holding penalties. They're fine. Yeah. Never know. Get away with it. Don't do it. Hertz doesn't put his offensive lineman in a spot where they, they, they have to hold guys and they have to yank guys. Just don't have like Jordan. My had the one on Kayvon Thibodeau on like a third down rush. That's it. 
Right. So Hertz, Hertz's ability to keep them out of bad plays, astounding. And then he was lights out throwing the ball with anticipation. The third and three out to Quez. The third and I want to say four out to Devontae Smith. <clears throat> Precision. Anticipation. Yes. Timing. Yeah. That's a whole quarterback right there, man. Unbelievable <laughs> to start the game. Just as well of an oil as a machine as you're going to see at the NFL level. Superlative play. Yeah, I can't wait to watch the film on this game because I looked at the numbers at the end and 21 for 31 for 217 and two TDs. Uh, I thought he was like unbelievable in this the degree of difficulty throws the anticipation throws you mentioned it yeah he he had to throw down the right sideline to miles sanders that gets bobbled uh when he goes to the ground he had a dime to Devonte smith on the left side where smith just couldn't get his foot in i mean this is like two two of two plays away from being a 300 yard passing game where maybe we're coming on saying this is this was his best performance of the of the season and who knows maybe the film will show uh that it was after we thought last week was uh yeah, that, that first possession when they had a, what was it, a third down uh, out of empty and the throw to Devontae Smith where yeah he's not even turned around yet and the ball's coming out. You're like, okay, J- Jalen is, is going to be in a nice spot today. He goes 9 for 10 on that first possession. So uh, I had down as one of my other big takeaways, and I want to do a little more research into this. I think it's the best Eagles offense of my lifetime. And they've had some great ones. I don't ever remember a time where it felt this easy, where it felt this overwhelming, where it mm-hmm. felt like, you know easy what, the, the other team might have word. a plan. It's so easy. Yeah. It's not like when Mahomes... It never feels it's not, this and easy. It's not like yeah. when, the, when the Chiefs were at their peak, it didn't, it didn't feel like this. When Lamar was at his peak, it didn't feel like this. Because it was it was, yeah. it was one player yanking a team above their level. This is just... and and. There's there's a, a construction, there's like a, an, an interpretation of that where it's like, oh, because it's not Mahomes yanking the team, it's not Lamar yanking the team the way they did in their MVP seasons, that takes away from Jalen Hurts' MVP case, and it does a little bit. It certainly does, but it doesn't take away from the quality of his play. Like, MVP or not, like, stats-wise, I don't care. Like, Mahomes threw the three picks today, Hurts had another incredible day. Like, Hurts is absolutely narrowing that gap as we get in the last few weeks here. But in, independent of that whole conversation, because it's got a ton going into it, the Eagles put 11 starters on the field and they get extremely high quality play from every single one. It just had, that hasn't happened in Philadelphia or otherwise in a yeah. long time. Like it, it, the, the effortlessness of their offense is something that really is a sight to behold. That's a great point. That's how I always measure coaching. Like if you can look at the players, how many players are uh, meeting like, reasonable expectations, how many are exceeding reasonable expectations and how many are falling short of reasonable expectations. And I think you put it well. I mean, Jalen Hurts absolutely surpassing even the biggest Jalen Hurts fan, whatever your expectations were coming into the season, he surpassed them. Miles Sanders is having a career year. A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, I mean, listen, they would play well in a lot of offenses, but certainly you had. there's no argument that they're playing short of expectations. You have Goddard go down. You're getting fine tight end play from Stoll and Calcaterra. Your entire offensive line uh, is playing well uh, to expectation. So they're very well coached. I was trying to think of the other offenses in my lifetime. You know, certainly you had uh, the first chip year where Nick Foles throws 27, the 27 mm-hmm. and two Nick Foles year. And listen, they did feel unstoppable for a lot uh, of that season. Now this one feels like it's more sustainable, more long lasting, obviously uh, 2004 when, when T.O. was healthy and they had T.O. Westbrook and McNabb is throwing the football. That team, it, it did feel 
feel like this. I remember those weekends where you're just going, all right, how are they, how are they going to put up uh, 30, you know, this week? What, what are they going to do that's fun this week? But then, you know, T.O. goes down. And if you look at the overall numbers, they ended up not being quite as good as this group. But that one's certainly in the conversation. I mean, I just look at this group and you have a quarterback who doesn't make mistakes, like you said. You have playmakers on the outside. You have a dominant offensive line. You have very good play calling. Could they have a bad game and stumble? Yes, but like when they don't turn the ball over, they just wreck teams. I mean, except for that Colts game, really, when they don't turn, and they did turn the ball over in that game. Like there there is no, there's not going to be a blueprint. There could be a defense that plays them really well and shuts them down for a game. Uh, But the different things they do, the different answers they have, the different ways they can win, it doesn't look to me like there is going to be a blueprint. And I just quickly looked at the stats. Again, I want to do like a deeper dive on this this week, but uh, true media goes back to 2000. So you can look at every Eagle season since 2000. The 2022 offense would be first in EPA per drive, first in success rate, first in points per game going back to 2000. They're averaging 29.2 points per game. No offense since 2000. Eagles offense has averaged more than, than 26 and a half points per game. So like that, that's a big gap. That's 2.7 points per game more than any others. I was looking at just the overall team. They're outscoring uh, opponents by 10.9 points per game, uh, or I'm sorry, 10.6 points per game. The 2002 Eagles outscored opponents by 10.9 points per game. That's the only one. The only other team that was better than 10 was the 2017 Super Bowl team. So listen, maybe uh, I'm sure a lot of people are listening and saying, we got to, you know, Hey, what are you talking about? We got to these points like weeks ago and that's fair. I mean, maybe it just takes me uh, a little bit longer. Maybe it took Ben uh, a little bit longer to just go to this extra step where it just feels to me right now, like Mm -hmm. they are a juggernaut. They can play with any team in the NFL and they should get uh, to the, well, I would say this, like if, if you, if you listening, you're like Ben and Shield should have gotten there sooner. Like this offense is awesome. It's very clearly been awesome. And they should have gotten there. There's there's absolutely credence to that. But the NFL, man, it's a cyclical thing. Like, it's just, you, it's so hard to sustain a certain caliber of play, good or bad, over the course of an entire season. Like, everybody, like oh, the Lions have won five of the last six games. Why? Because their defense got a lot better. Why? Because it's really hard to stay that bad. Seattle Seahawks, offense, unbelievable to start the season. Win a ton of games, win the NFC West. They've lost, like, what, Five of the last seven now. Why? Offense is crashing back down to earth. Now, the offense is never as good as the Eagles offense, but it's to say that over the course of 17 weeks, it's really yeah. hard to keep banging the drum. I just, for a myriad of reasons, injuries, defenses catch up, you get in your own head, staff runs out of creativity, frustration, interpersonal problems, boredom. Like, you know, like they, part of like the, the, the Chiefs offensive issues over the last couple of years were like Mahomes just started doing stuff he shouldn't be doing and knew he shouldn't be doing. So he was just like, didn't, you know, just trying to be aggressive. There's just, it, and the NFL, we know that it's really hard to get on top and stay on top. So I, yeah, like we could have been there sooner, but I find like and it, this performance not just impressive because it's 48 points, but so much more impressive, magnified, exponentially more impressive because it's in week 14. And there's film. You know, they, you know what the Eagles are doing. And, you know, they, and, and yet they, they, they still find ways to stay ahead of the curve. And they still find ways to, to, to convert in short yard situations. They're so good situationally. And they continue to attack and attack and attack. Like, if we get a... Like, if we get a, a Doug Peterson treatment, Nick Sirianni culture sort of thing over the course of the playoffs, I think there's going to be some really interesting stuff 
in terms of how he kept this team competitive, how he kept them extremely hungry and on edge over the course of this season. I don't know what it is. I'm just inferring out of here. But it's just, it's so hard to have been as good as the Eagles offense was in week two and then to still be this good in week 14. You don't see that often. You really don't. Yeah, it's a, it's a, yeah, the letdown games. I mean, they haven't, again, you can point to the Colts game and the Washington game, uh, I guess, but man, over the course of the season, you expect to have more ups and downs. You expect to have that, you know, three game stretch where, all right, maybe they're not as good as you thought they were going to be. And, you know, there was some talk of that during that stretch, but to come back the way they have the last two weeks and just absolutely crush these two opponents, the Titans and the Giants, and leave no doubt about those games has been really impressive all right let's take a quick break come back and talk a little bit more about this game all right we're back let's talk about the offense in this game specifically a little bit more 27 first downs 437 yards of offense based on epa per drive this was their best offensive performance of the season they had i mean this is these are just silly numbers you look at the drive chart 10 possessions six touchdowns two field goals a blocked punt and a punt. Those, those were their 10 possessions. Six touchdowns on 10 possessions. Like, that doesn't happen in an NFL game. That That is uh, absolutely ridiculous. You talked about the first drive there. Uh, the second drive, they go empty on fourth down, and they hit Devontae Smith on the slot fade for a 41-yard touchdown. What did you th- I, I thought he was about. I'm watching that. Julian Love oh should have taken his head off. Lit up. Oh, my God. I mean, ju- yeah, I mean, Julian Love should have planted him. There should have been a Devontae Smith tree there in 40 years, man. I mean, like, that's just, it's, yeah. like, and because of the way Devonta has to go up for that ball, he's so exposed. Like, yeah. that, that, that is a pass breakup, and Devontae Smith pops back up and is okay, and that's a good outcome on that throw. Hospital right. ball doesn't even begin to cover it. <laughs> yeah, as, uh, as uh, Coach Flynn, a uh, friend of the pod, pointed out, like, a lot of receivers drop that ball just because of the possibility yeah. of what's about to happen. Devontae to doesn't give a uh, hoot, man. He's unbelievable. He doesn't care. Man, he is so tough. Yeah, the yeah. front pylon near touchdown catch where that second foot lands out of bounds, I mean, he's in as tight of a space as you can find. And you just, there's some neural connection in his head that's supposed to tell him where people are that he just doesn't have. Like, he's fearless in the sense yeah. that he just doesn't know. It's just the, 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 the ignorance to the fact that he's going to get lit up is incredible. And it's scary because you're worried about him, but it's in plays like that, that touchdown pass, unbelievable. Yeah, that, that was fantastic. Third touchdown, Giants are still playing man coverage. And oh boy, A.J. Brown uh, left my guy. I don't even know who, remember who Nick the McLeod. was. Nick uh, McLeod. There you go, Nick McLeod in the dust. It's just a one play, 33-yard touchdown, fourth touchdown, uh, they have the Hertz QB lead draw and the, the play you mentioned, which you're right about the changeups. I mean, there's a fine line being between getting too cute to the point where everyone's yelling in that spot. Why didn't you just do the QB sneak? The QB sneak works every time to flipping it to Miles Sanders, showing QB sneak and picking up 17 yards there. So that's another touchdown. Miles Sanders gets a 40 yarder, goes over a thousand yards for the season. And then Boston Scott, when I, I don't know if everybody was still watching or not, he adds the sixth touchdown. So uh, again, just up and down the field 
all day long. I mentioned it with with Hertz. I really think his numbers could have looked uh, looked even better with a couple more plays that went his way. I, th- I thought he threw the ball extremely well in this game. He continues to be very decisive. Uh, I'm curious to watch the film on kind of what their answers were against the blitz. But honestly, uh, they used some stuff that didn't let the Giants get tall. They're, you know, they used a lot of empty. I thought early on, which kind of makes the Giants you know decide what they're going to do. And you, I, I think you can't do 20 things uh, out of empty. You can do fewer things out of empty and then the Eagles used a lot of tempo also which can help uh, take the defenses out of some of those uh, blitz looks so they help the offense in a smart way they use mm-hmm. pistol again you saw that once again since that Colts game I, I'll look up the numbers this week but it feels like they're turning to pistol a little bit more to not show some of those tendencies absolutely and yes very much agree. I don't know what else to say yeah, yeah. one thing I'll what know about the hurry up and then the use of empty, which I said they, they changed around their personnel more, which is great because they're they're making they're putting stuff on film, making you prepare for it. One of the reasons they don't do that as much is because when they can run and pass out of the same uh, 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 personnel groupings, right? It's not like they need to like bring in heavier personnel to run. They have Jalen Hurts; they can run from the spread, and they can go into this empty set and have Hurts kind of run things from the line a little bit, right? And he'd pick his matchup RPO stuff and go. It allows them to play extremely fast which allows them to get more plays, just more snaps in, right? Why is this offense producing such raw numbers, such a great rate? They run more plays. They're second right now in pace per play behind only the Chargers. Uh, and one of the reasons for that is that they don't do a lot of pre-snap motion, right? And so one of the uh, fragments of, one of the results of the Sean McVay ising, the Kyle Shanahan ising of offenses across the league is so much pre-snap motion, a lot of personnel change, a lot of shifting around. Those offenses just don't get as many plays, which for the Eagles is a big deal because they're obviously very good at sitting on the ball and running the clock out. They had their multiple touchdown drives. So all they did was run the football. But then when they decide they want to like push the tempo and, and score points on you, the tempo change is enormous, right? They more so than the other top offenses in the league, like it's them and, and the Dolphins really. And even the Dolphins still like they have a ton of motion, but they, are, they have the ability to get on top of you and put you in one personnel grouping and then shoot. Not a lot of offenses do that. Even the other quarterback run offenses, Cardinals can a little bit. The Ravens don't because of the heavy personnel the Ravens use. The Eagles can go turbo. And it's 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 cool to watch them stress out defenses because it gets them in simple calls and lets the menu be easy for Jalen Hurts. Like the Giants didn't try to get out of man coverage for most of the game, but it would have been hard to because the Eagles are able to just get up the line and push you. And you have to stay in a simple call. You can't get your fancy zone pressures dialed up with their long play calls and adjust formation. If they're just lining up and go, you have to play simple stuff. And that helps the Eagles offense just stay on the forefoot the whole way down the field. Yeah, another example of knowing the opponent, knowing what the opponent wants to do and making it hard for them to do what they want to do. I mean, that is coaching. That is game planning. We seem to point something out every week that points to the Eagles getting an edge there over their opponents. And this was just another example. Uh, Defensively, I mean, I honestly didn't have a lot of notes. They gave up 18 first downs, 304 yards, which is, you know, I think those numbers are even deceiving based on what happened when the game was already out of hand, but they forced punts on the first four possessions of the game, uh, five of the first six. The first possession, you get two sacks. Uh, Josh Sweat has a sack. Hassan Reddick has a sack. Um, Next possession, James Bradbury had kind of blanket coverage. They took a shot at him uh, on third down. He was right there. Uh, Cox and Reddick had a stun on a third down tj edwards had that big stick and then had to add a nice pass break up near interception on third down hassan reddick had another pressure that turned into a fletcher cox sack on third down i mean uh you know there was a play here and a play there that you gave up but overall this didn't seem to be much a a very fair fight yeah brandon graham with three sacks 
Shout out you being like he did. I had yeah. no idea. He had three sacks right. today. <laughs> three sacks oh on the God, day. See? Which one of them was like? <laughs> I know he had one because yeah. because Slay was doing Slay was loving doing his celebration yeah. on the sideline. I did yeah. see that. Uh, he had what, he had a he had a strip sack on Tyrod Taylor to set up the touchdown to score yes. forty eight points. Uh, so yeah, if your eyes were elsewhere on another screen in a close game in the one o'clock slate, you are forgiven. Brandon Graham three sacks on the day. Uh, you brought up one uh, huge by you last week when we were talking about this defense, how Graham's just got juice. He just comes off the, like, you know, they were hoping yeah. Robert Quinn would have this juice. He didn't have it for them. He had the knee surgery. Graham, it was, it was the call was coming from inside the house. Graham is that like rotational pass rusher that's really got some stuff for them. And then against the run, he's extremely sound. So it's very important uh, a rotational player for them. The top of the rotation, though, Hassan Reddick now, 10 sacks on the season, man. Hassan Reddick is the first player in NFL history to have back-to-back-to-back double-digit sack seasons all on three separate teams. He had 10 sacks with the Cardinals. He had 10 sacks with the Panthers. He has 10 sacks with the Eagles. He's still a tricky player. Like, there's still stretches where he vanishes. But I can't... Like, one of the most important skills a pass rusher can have is the ability to finish a pressure with a sack. A pressure kind of helps. A sack kills a drive i don't have the numbers in front of me but like with just like one sack on a drive the likelihood of scoring is like halved in terms of like nfl data over the course of several years his ability to finish his plays right they, they design up stunts for him but to flatten those rushes to bend those tight corners to have the grip strength to have the length to get the guy down daniel jones a big dude that's so important so firstly you know again like he's a little bit mercurial you can vanish for stretches. You, these Some of these tight games, like, where's Hassan Reddick? But, man, I mean, check a box for Harry Roseman. You go sign yourself a 10, a double-digit sack player in free agency, $15 million per year? That's, that's good spending. That's good work, man. Chandler Jones got, like, yeah. two sacks right now. So that's that's awesome uh, for Hassan Reddick. And then for Graham to, to fill out that part of the, the depth chart as well, for Graham to have that role that he does uh, that speaks to their pass rush. Reed Blankenship down in this game does put the eagles in a little bit of a squirrely spot you saw Kayvon wallace come in you saw Kayvon wallace have a mental bust gave up a, a catch and run to isaiah hodgins uh Kayvon is not built to play the deep middle safety to play the free safety the weak safety position as eagles defense he's built to play the strong safety position where marcus apps plays in the event that they have no read and no chauncey going into next week they're gonna have to get weird uh i imagine they're gonna move Mar- uh epps to weak safety that would be i think their best answer they had josiah scott playing a little bit of safety today but i think that was more just like weird package stuff kind of screwing around with looks than it was anything tenable that might have been dime yeah, yeah. like we saw with mcpherson so last week, you're I think um, maybe yeah it, that's a thing to watch uh one of the things that, that, that we've said of the Eagles is their ability to avoid injury, but you also avoid injury compounding at certain positions, right? Like the Cowboys right now have injuries at right. corner. They've lost their second. They've lost their third. Trayvon Diggs left for a little bit of the game today. So, you know, you can only have like three or four injuries, but if they're all at the same position, you're in trouble. Eagles have avoided that to this point. Avante Maddox goes down. Dallas Carter goes down. Jordan Davis goes down, but they have depth. Now we, we've had two two weak safeties for this team. Chauncey Garner-Johnson and then Reed Blankenship go down with injury. Uh, so we'll see what the Chauncey timeline looks like. We don't know anything about Reed yet. But defensively, it's just your, your, your question mark. And then your other question mark is uh, punter. <laughs> Injuries at punter is not a thing that you want yeah. to matter until all of a sudden it matters. And then Eagles don't punt very much, but you'd like to be good at it when you do. Aaron Sipos has the punt blocked by Ellerson Smith, who's like six foot nine with 40-inch arms, so it's okay. Uh, and then 
picks it up, scoops it with one hand through contact. What a play. Mm. Unbelievable talk play. About, talk about like when you know you're good. Athlete. You know you're good when your punter's <laughs> picking up his blocks with one hand through contact. And yeah, you're, you're so never losing smooth. a game again. It, was, uh, it might have been the smoothest move in the game. Like, throw out A.J. Brown's. Uh, I mean, that that's, was like the jaw dropper where I'm like, I need a replay That's leadership this. right there. That's Jalen Hurts. Just setting the tone. <laughs> just Jalen Hurts, just cool, calm, collected, smooth, athletic player. Aaron Sipos been watching on the bench. 14 weeks being like, all right, this is how the Eagles are. This is our culture. And then he sees the ball. He's like, I know what to do. What would Jalen Hurts do? WWJDH. WWJHD. Anyway. JHD. Picks it up and then obviously gets hit on the sideline. Out of bounds. We'll have you now. Uh, and comes up again, beat Jake Elliott punts for the rest of the game. So now you're just in a spot where, like, you might have to bring a punter in off waivers. You have to check the operation, make sure the snap works, make sure the hold works for Jake Elliott kicks. You know, Brent Covey had to come in and hold for this game. So now you're just like, you know, it's a thing you got to deal with and you don't want to be in a position where it starts to matter. You're trying to kick a game winning field goal. And <clears throat> there's a guy out there who has done it only three times with Jake Elliott. And you're kind of a little bit worried. So something to watch the Boston Scott return experience. That was quite nice. So a little plus for special teams, a little minus for special teams. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. After you're thinking, all right, special teams is a disaster again, but then Bosco says, not so fast, my friends. This is the New York Giants. I got this. So, yeah, we'll keep it. Was eye that a Lee Corso? The, uh, Did a Lee Corso just happen? Not so fast? Yeah, yeah. It's a little not, not, not so fast, my friend. Um, I'm looking at their pass rush stats. Yeah, Redick, I hear what you're saying. I think that's probably true of most non-elite like elite. Like like the Miles Garretts, the Micah Parsons, the TJ Watts. There's never a quiet uh, game from them. I feel like that next year, most of those guys, you could say, all right, there's some spurts here and some spurts there. I mean, if you would have told me coming into the season, 10 sacks, uh, leads the team with 17 uh, quarterback hits through, what week are we? 14 of the season. Three forced fumbles leads the team. Like you're saying, all right, we're getting it. We're getting our money's worth from Hassan Reddick. I also think he does a good job. Like I don't think those are uh, empty. And I also think he does a good job of creating pressure for other guys to uh, sack the quarterback and to make plays. Like I think there are more plays beyond those sacks. And for Brandon Graham now, Eight and a half sacks, one away from a career, career high. high baby. BG. Designated pass rusher. All along. They were when when Howie drafted him first round and he was a bust. It was all with the vision in the 2022 season. Filling out the depth chart. He's really had a yeah. one-of-a-kind career. When you think of those early years, you think of the Super Bowl, you think how good he was. Under the radar, great player, then great player, now on the tail end. And, man, these guys are fresh. You mentioned it. The The defense is not playing a lot of snaps in these games. These guys, these guys come in and they could say, all right, we can go absolutely all out here. So he's got eight and a half sacks. His career high is nine and a half sacks. He's got four games to uh, get one and a half sacks and set a new career high. If you like pressure percentage, Brandon Graham leads the team. Get pressure in the quarterback 17% of the time, uh, followed by Hassan Reddick. Now, again, that you know, you got to take into account what downs is a guy playing, how many snaps is a guy playing, all those things. But Hargrave right behind him, eight sacks, sweat right there with seven and a half sacks, six sacks for Fletcher Cox uh, on the season. So their their defensive line now is just like eating uh, week after week after week. And this game was no exception there. All right. I don't think I got much more there on the defense. Let me see. What did I have in my miscellaneous notes here? I had the Sipos injury. You pointed that out. Had the Blankenship injury. You covered that. I mean, really, to me, it's like Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, 
Devonte Smith, and, and if you want to get greedy, uh, Slay and Bradbury. Like, get those guys to that uh, that divisional round game feeling good, feeling fresh, feeling Dallas healthy. Dallas Goddard. That's what the last month of the Dallas season Goddard's is coming really back about. to this team. He's coming back. Dallas Goddard. He's when Dallas Goddard went yeah. down, there were two tight ends in the league who were consistently producing, and it was Travis Kelsey and Dallas Goddard. It was uh, when when he went down. We were saying this might be a top two tight end season this year. He's a top five tight end, no question. Since then, the Eagles are scoring 30 points a game, and they got <laughs> Grant Calcaterra doing stuff, and God is going to come back. And the, the, the reintroduction of the offense will be seamless, and I know it will be seamless because this coaching staff has mixed and matched personnel and gotten into their calls with, with total aplomb. Will they call at least one more screen per game that drives you off the wall? Yes, but these are first world problems. I don't know. Those were working pretty well to Goddard, though. They, they weren't. Goddard was the best one. That's the problem. Is now the third and 18 yeah. screens are like Devontae Smith with Quez Watkins lead blocking. And I'm like, guys, please, please, enough. I don't, I can't stand this. But regardless, right, Goddard coming back. But absolutely, when we talk about playoff performances, we talk about how do you match up scheme to scheme? How do you match up personnel group to personnel group? How do you like to win ball versus the team you're playing winning ball against? The Eagles are on offense as versatile as you'll find. Defensively, not so much, but they have a ton of talent, right? So that's that's part two is after we do the scheme, how do you match up? How do you win ball versus how they win ball? Do you have takeover players? Do you have guys who just dominate games? Darius Lane, James Bradbury are dominating games. Corner play is always tough to figure out because you, you want to look for, for interception production. But Darius Slay and James Bradbury are, are dominating in ways that we, we aren't seeing another corner tandem dominate week in and week out. Like Reddick is a little bit, you know, in, in there and out of there. Josh Sweat a little bit in there and out of there. Overall, the Eagles pass rush is a takeover group. Offensively, the Eagles offensive line is a takeover group, right? So even if schematically, like, oh, how do they match up against like the Niners? They may not match up great when we talk X's and O's. Once Jimmy's and Joe's start taking snaps for 60 minutes, Eagles are talented. And, and, and if A.J. Brown decides to win a football game, A.J. Brown decides to win the football game, good night. And that, that's the sort of caliber of player the Eagles have in the building right now, and they got several of them. Scary, scary business. Eagles-Cowboys on Christmas Eve. That'll be fun to see uh, that matchup. You don't want to let too much recency bias jump in. Like right now, it feels like they're just going to go kill the Cowboys on Christmas Eve. And they might go kill the Cowboys on Christmas Eve because they do that to a lot of teams. And then, yeah, the Eagles offense versus that 49ers defense. If we get to see that sometime in January, that is also going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Lane Johnson, I think, had a little abdominal, abdomen injury. Uh, at some point. So that's one to just kind of keep an eye on. He was on the sideline there uh, towards the end, but hopefully nothing serious there. Keep the, I mean, it's really, it's the story as, as I know Eagles fans are there, as you watch these final four games, man, it's just going to be like every time somebody goes down, every time there's a big collision, you know, you're just going to be holding your breath. Even in this game, you're like, gosh, should Jalen Hurts still be out there? Uh, Do they really need to be calling quarterback runs at this point in the game? I mean, those kind of are the thoughts that kind of pop into your head when you're having a special season like this and just don't want that one thing to come in and ruin it. So that's going to be a big factor coming down the stretch. Uh, the Giants drop kick thing, that wasn't a drop kick uh, by their yeah. punter early on. This drives me nuts. So so Blandino comes in and says like, all right, it's, a, you know, it's an illegal something and gives no further details. I mean, I don't, like, so, okay, so what does that mean? Where's the ball going to be? Is it loss of down? Where do the Eagles know for, just, oh, yeah. That's a, like, economy of words. That officiating expert needs to be very good at that. The best, I think, I want to say John Perry is his yeah, name. Yeah, John Perry's good. Night football? 
he just pops in and goes, uh, ball hit the ground and complete pass. Out, in. Yeah, all right, thank you. You told me what I want to know. Blandino, is Blandino getting paid by the word? And I still don't get any clarification Those, out of it. It drives me nuts every weekend. I go crazy. Rules analysts are the single biggest grifters on the planet. It, top two. <laughs> yes. se- second grifter, ref. Number one ranked grifter, ref analyst. All right, uh, I I don't know if you know if you I don't know if you'll you'll know this reference. Uh, for the Ringer, Jason Concepcion used to do NBA Desktop, incredible YouTube show, and he did a segment on Steve Javi, who's the NBA's version of our uh, rules analyst of our Dean Blandino. You should YouTube yeah. Jason Concepcion NBA Desktop Steve Javi Ringer. You can find mm-hmm. it. Maybe I'll find it and tweet it, where he talks about. And dissects the way Steve Javi comes in and talks about foul calls. Because in the NBA, fouls are like extremely subjective, right? It's legitimately some of the best sports media the content's been created in the last 10 years. Where it's just, just take a stance, coward. What happened? Yes. Tell me what that, the play calls the job. The call in the field that's should be. That's the job. Say it. Oh Don't say, well, here's what the refs are looking at. And here's what they have to figure uh, out. And the, and it'll oh depend God. on if a foot's down or not. And if I hear, if I hear one more time, the ruling on the field was this, or there has to be incontrovertible evidence. I know. Nobody, everybody knows that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're as I'm so with you on these guys. I, yeah, they I, drive me off the wall. I thought you were, I, I thought... I thought you were going to say, like, behind SBF, uh, Dean Blandino, rules <laughs> officials or something. Okay. Biggest, Third biggest, uh, refs. Second ref <laughs> analyst. First, weird crypto guys who are doing things I don't understand with billions of dollars of other people's money. <laughs> this has been there Grifter Rankings. Uh, ben and Shield, new podcast right. every Monday. I like that. Ringer NFL Grifter, Pretty where we good. talk about who grifters are. You better watch out, or we're going to get an email <laughs> tomorrow. Okay. All right, we like that. Can you do that as a YouTube short? Uh Every week, but yes, have a take. I think Macaulay's pretty good, and I think Perry's pretty good. So I want to call them out because yeah. they just come in and they tell you what the call should be. That's now, all I want to know. And what's One important? What should the call be? The the play by play guys and the color guys who started to get wise to the grift, and they say like, "Tell me what it is." Like Aikman did this a couple oh, weeks yeah. ago. I forget to whom he did it, but Aikman on on ESPN was like, "So what should the call be?" Like he was like, "Bang." Say it. Yes. <laughs> like you commit. You have to. You can't just <laughs> pontificate. And what's the word where you where you just talk to burn time? Uh, uh, um, the, the, whatever that oh verb is, you what's can't wrong? just do what's that wrong until with eventually this? the ref Stop on the field makes the call, <laughs> and then you go, "Oh yeah, and that's why it's incomplete pass." <laughs> how, do, how are we both blanking on this word? This is the filibuster. Yes, filibuster. Yeah, yeah. filibuster. Fil- yeah, filibuster. Oh my God, that was driving me nuts. Uh, I agree. Uh, shout out to my old friend uh, in Seattle, Brock Heward, who I think did that during a uh, college football game and may, may or may not have gone a little viral for telling the... Uh, prevaricate. The prevaricate is what I was looking for. To oh, speak okay. or act in an evasive way. Okay. Right, I don't know that word. No so more prevaricating. Okay. Uh, no more of that. All right. Glad we got that out of the way. Let me see what else did I have on my final notes. Fox said 123 points for the Eagles, most over a three-game span since 1950. Mm-hmm. So, yes, it, this is a very, very yeah. special offense. Jalen Hurts became the first player uh, in this game. He became the first player with 10-plus, or first quarterback, excuse me, with 10-plus rush touchdowns over consecutive seasons. Uh, so Jalen Hurts as a, as a red zone threat. We've talked about his build as a runner and how that lets him use them in the low red zone a little bit more than other teams do. Incredible stuff there. Um, 
the the last player to uh, that I think deserves another flower and and uh, the broadcast I can't recall who was calling the game was it Vilma um, but but they did a good job calling this out. No, it was uh, Moose Moose Moose. Johnson. Okay, uh, Miles Sanders, who's been improving as a player over the course of the year, been running more tough. I've talked a lot about the Eagles needing a pass protecting back. Miles Sanders was stepping up into some gaps today. Pass protection. Ooh, yeah, they at, got their manhood challenge or something a run this blocker. week. How about yeah. that montage? They're, they're getting him yeah, involved they as a puller with people. some of the stuff that they were throwing at the Giants to kind of mess with their bare fronts, get to the C-gap. Really, really good designs of the running game today. Beautiful stuff. But you're asking your, your back to go and make some blocks. And Miles Sanders stepping up. Absolutely. So uh, Sanders' physicality. It's a nice thing that if he can bring that in, into the winter months, bring that into the playoffs and pick up a, a pass protection rep or two, see Sanders take some more third down reps, it'd be nice to see. Last, last guy, uh, I thought Andrew Thomas was going to put Josh Sweat to sleep. Andrew Thomas has been really, really good at left tackle for the Giants. He did not. Wasn't yeah, a big box a game year. for Sweat, but Sweat went toe-to-toe with one of the best pass protecting left tackles in the league. The best. Had himself a good day. Miles Sanders and Josh Sweat. It's that same class, that 2019 class for both of them. Either way, step it up in big ways. Uh, good one. Uh, shout out to Fox for uh, kind of catering this broadcast to my specific age group. I mean, the outro music, they had a little 50 cent. If I no. can't do it, baby. It can't. Yeah, so I, like, I love that. I haven't heard that song since I was probably 19 years old. Uh, a little Blink 182 on the next one. I mean, I probably have a CD burned uh, from some point in like 2002 with both these songs on it. So I thought that was a nice job uh, out of them. And then Moose Johnson calling Boston Scott Byron Scott. And not even uh, uh, Cliff says it's like TRL all over again. Cliff, you're too young to know uh, TRL. I'm very, I'm very impressed uh, by that. Good job uh, out of you, uh, Moose Johnson calling Boston Scott Byron Scott. That was fantastic. That. Didn't even apologize for Moose about is it. always no good one for him. one completely incorrect name, <laughs> just out of the window wrong name. <laughs> yeah. So I felt if you're somebody who's between like you know 35 and 45, yeah. uh, you can probably you would have appreciated this broadcast just like me. All right. Last thing, a couple housekeeping notes here. One thing uh, on uh, Birds with Friends I always like to do is uh, we like people who are great at their jobs regardless of what their jobs are. And so I wanted to call out uh, the lady from the Giant. I had to stop at the Giant to pick up a lemon for my daughter. Just probably a weird person who walks into a Giant on a crowded Saturday morning, just picks up literally one lemon and goes to the self-checkout. She sees me approaching the self-checkout with one lemon, comes up, Bang, puts in the code, one. All I have to do is put my card in. She didn't, I didn't have to read the sticker, put in 4053. I didn't have to look it up. Nothing. Uh, save me time. And listen, that's not an easy job. We've, we've seen, I struggle sometimes with self-checkout. I feel like I'm pretty good at it. But you've seen the people at self-checkout. I mean, they have, these workers just have to feel like hundreds of complaints all day with people can't, who can't figure out what to do mm-hmm. there. So I want to say great job uh, to her was the other thing. And then... We've got some data on the genes, Ben. This, you know, I thought I oh, was yeah. leading the segment last week with my with my ankle exposure, which let me just put a, a, a pin in that for a second. The, the pants shrunk too much. They, I, I tried them on again. I tried on another pair, and it's not even like a little ankle showing. It's like these pants shrunk too much. These are not wearable anymore. So a little ankle, I think, is okay. The degree to which those pants shrunk, those are unwearable pants. Ben came in with a with really maybe the most controversial take, as I said, uh, in Philly special history, and said jeans are bad. He doesn't own any jeans. A lot of people on Twitter backing him. I got a lot more support right than I take. thought I would. Felt good. Yeah, a lot of support. The data says sixty-two uh, percent in my uh, scientific Twitter poll said that jeans are good. 
17% say jeans are bad, and 21% say uh, they're indifferent to okay. whether jeans so are good about or bad. So 80%, 4 out of 5 of people who actually responded. Oh, no, you said, oh, you did a third was indifferent. Okay, never mind. All right, right. I'm fine with those numbers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll give, yeah, a, I'll that, give a, that's not bad a for you. shout out to people who do their jobs well. I didn't know this was a thing. I like this. Okay. Um, yeah, I like Shout this. out to the home security people who make home security things. Today uh, in church in the morning, I sat down. I did not look at my Apple Watch during the pre-sermon, but if I did, I would have discovered that uh, I got a notification that my front door was left ajar. And that was very, they said, oh, this is bad. Doors open, dog is in the house. I got to get out. So I left the sermon, got in the car, scrambled on home. The front door did not close correctly, but I would say a quarter of an inch. And they, the home security laser beam was like, this is unacceptable. We got problems. Like I deadbolted it. And apparently like, the deadbolt just like hit the thing and then it didn't fully close. And so I walked in, I was like, why is the front door closed? And I, like, I went to push it and it was just barely not closed. And the little security thing was like, we have to tell Ben. <laughs> the door is off by this much. My dog was dead asleep on the couch. Just no interest in going outside at all. And so you have one of those like total panic. You're like, driving home like, okay, like is, is, is her collar updated? Like we just moved. Like do I have the info for her microchip? Like did like is the heat on? Like whatever. Like, you're just going through 10,000 things. For those who don't know, like uh, we had a house fire in August. And so like once you have like something going on with your house in like this mental space, like everything is the worst. And then no, it's just a really, really sensitive laser on my door. And I'm very, very confident that laser will pick up any issues in the future. There you go. I don't know what your uh, company is. You don't need to say it, but of course, Simply Safe, a great sponsor of the Rings. So <laughs> this is why. Just assume it's Simply Safe. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and they did a uh, uh, great job there. And by the way, last time you mentioned uh, the, the house fire thing, we've we've covered this, I believe, on previous podcasts because someone was chastising me, being like, How did you just go oh, really? I'm like, I've asked Ben <laughs> and talked to Ben about that like five times. I'm not being a jerk and just blowing yeah. by that, but I'm not going to ask him to you know, explain it was a, on every episode. I wish there was a better way. Like when you say house fire, people's minds immediately go to 100. We had like a 10 out of 100 on the scale, right? We we had, we were awake and, and, and we were in a duplex and the duplex next to us caught fire and nobody was there. So we were the ones who had to respond. There were no open flames in my house. I wasn't jumping through fire to, to there were open flames in my house, but like in, in a bathroom. Like the, it was a very okay. We so handled it. We're all right. It's just like, you know, you're kind of at the point now where you're like, hey, Anything bad could happen at all times. <laughs> we have to be prepared for these things. Simply <laughs> safe. Well, da, 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 da. There you go. Very good. All right. Uh, and I think I had one more. Oh, well, and, and the jeans thing, I just want to be clear. I was on the indifferent side. I can actually see Ben's point. I, they, they are hard pants. I don't like uh, hard pants. And I wouldn't say they're the most comfortable. I still like a jean. I like the look of a jean. And I like the weight of a jean. When it's cold weather over like, uh, I think you were saying like a chino, I feel like the jean keeps me a little more protected. I like how it looks with a sneaker. And I will say now, I don't know, you probably don't want to delve back into it, but the comfort level of the jean now compared to say three to five years ago it is a little night and day i mean there's a lot more options for you yeah. so listen you that's what people to, say uh, people, people were it, telling right? me they were like yeah. denim's taking big strides and i was like that's good for denim yeah i've established true. my routine i'm, I'm i don't need, i don't okay. have a void in my pants life if i have okay. a void in my pants life right. we'll handle the business but I, I've, I've made my pants decisions and i'm not <laughs> suffering for them so congratulations to denim okay. may the next generation of six-year-olds who get shoved into denim find it extremely uncomfortable and swear <laughs> off jeans for the rest of their life be saved and healed by the newly improved denim 
All right. And last thing I wanted to get to, and I mentioned this on the uh, scramble last week, but I, I know there's not like a hundred percent crossover. So I wanted to get your take on this. I'm in the YMC locker, locker, YMCA locker room, uh, last week. And my guy at the mirror, you know, the, some, they have the hair dryers at the, uh, at the sinks and some, you know, some places, my guy's uh, blow drying the armpits. Oh. I mean, have you ever seen this before? Is he? How does <laughs> he get seen... down? No, no, no. What, oh, what did he, does he down? turn it so it goes up? No, no, not that. Sorry, not the wall mounted. It's one. It has a wire. It's like a regular oh, hair dryer. Okay, okay, you know, okay, it has, okay. it's a cord. You pull it out. He lifts the arm. He points the the, the dryer gun to one armpit. Bam! Reverses hands. Other armpit. Bam! Uh, I had never seen this before. I thought it was very strange. Uh, do you think this is something people should be doing? Should I? I I've really. I would say of all, everything I've thought about in my life since last Thursday, that's probably taken the biggest chunk. Yeah, I uh, can't stop thinking about it. I don't know how you are. We haven't spent enough time hanging out while being in public before. But I am the sort of person who will gravely and terribly inconvenience myself to not seem even the least bit odd to a bunch of total strangers who I will never meet again whose opinion doesn't matter to <laughs> me at all. Like, the, 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 Shield, the dire extent I will go out of my own way to avoid, I never want to inconvenience exactly. anyone. I do. I I will absolutely do stupid stuff to myself like, to not inconvenience I, others. I, I I I could order a meal at a restaurant and receive a meal from a different restaurant and not say anything. <laughs> Wait, what? All right, that's a you know step what I mean? No, but like, I'm saying like I I could be like, may I have a hamburger? And they just come back with like squid, and I'll be like, that's great. Like just so long as I don't make anybody else feel bad. I will just, I will endure anything. So the idea of doing something in a gym locker room that draws the <laughs> eyes is to me just like horribly like upsetting, like with stomach turned over. So yes, that's terrible. I, okay. but in that situation, the number one thing I would do would be like, oh my gosh, avert your eyes. Don't make this man feel uncomfortable at all. That would be the problem. <laughs> That's what my wife said. Yeah. Just keep your eyes down in that locker room. Don't spend too much uh, time in there. But listen, if you're a listener who is saying, what are they talking about? I blow dry the armpits all the time, and here's why you should do it. Then uh, certainly come in and let us know. All right, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Sorry, this Eagles team just crushes opponents. What do you want us to do? Stick on that the entire time? We can't do that. But we will watch the film this week. We will be back on Thursday to talk about what we saw in the film, what the big big storylines are this week as they go ahead to Chicago. Have you looked at the line yet? Do you want to guess the line for Chicago? I looked it up before the show. At the Bears, early line. At Chicago, coming off a bye. 12 and a half. Eight and a half? Oh, that's far too little. I mean, okay. like, the, the, Justin Fields. They might have the worst defense I say, in yeah, the NFL. Justin Fields' explosive playability notwithstanding, yeah. which like, oh, what a fun matchup. Like, this is going to be such a cool... We've never seen a game like this in the NFL in terms of rushing quarterbacks playing each other and, and whatever. Uh, but the Bears' passing defense doesn't exist. It's a theory. They got yeah. they got a, they got a rookie linebacker from Wisconsin named Jack Sanborn out here taking snaps. Shield. Mm. The Eagles are going to put this Legend. young man in a blunder. <laughs> Holy smokes! <laughs> They're going to do horrible things mm -hmm. to this young football player. <laughs> All right, Jack Sanborn week on the Ringers Philly special. There you go. We'll talk about Jack Sanborn on Thursday. All right, thank you, everyone, for listening. Hey, I saw some of your reviews. Some of you are listening and leaving your questions on the reviews. I have no choice but to answer those in the next episode. So if you want us to 100% answer your question in the next episode, go ahead, uh, rate and review. Leave it as a review, and we will get it to get to it in the next 
episode. All right, thanks to Benny Souls, Benjamin Solak. Remember, you can listen to us on the Ringer NFL feed. Monday night, we'll be talking league-wide nonsense. A, a lot teaser? to get you to got, this week, maybe. You got something to tease? Little, little take that's coming down the mountain? Uh... I mean, the stuff that's bouncing around my head are a little uh, Tom Brady-ish take. I want to see what happens in this Dolphins-Chargers game. I feel like that that's just going to lead to 100 takes, so we're going to have to get to something there. That's about as far uh, as I've gotten. I'm, uh, so, I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the Lions take. I've had it in a holster for a month. I'm ready to fire it. Okay, there you go. He's got the Lions take, who could be a playoff team. Now we will see. All right, thanks to everyone for listening to the Ringers Philly special. We will talk to you later this week.